Well, that was Graham and a company. Uh, we, when I first met Graham, uh, his family bought our home. And uh, so I was in the garage with my motorcycle, and uh, Graham came in and said, does that motorcycle come with a house? And uh, he thought, you know, to seal the deal, I should throw the bike in, but I decided not to. Anyway, um, we are going to be uh, taking a good look at, um, so what do you know for sure? So would you pray with me? And uh, we are going to focus on a world of uncertainty in which we can know certain things absolutely for sure. Lord, we're uh, awed at your presence, but we need you uh, desperately. We need to hear from you, and I need uh, to have you speak through me. I, I am a frail, fickle person, and in many ways uh, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would instruct and teach us in the way we should go, that you would counsel us with your eye upon us. Uh, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance, the power of your might. Allow us to be uh, certain about what we really know for sure and to be bold and, and unapologetic um, because this world that we live in is so filled with uncertainty that they do really listen when somebody is very certain, not arrogant, not uh, self-righteous, but humbly, disarmingly, truly knowing something for sure. That we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so what do you know for sure? Uh, as you can tell, I'm from Wisconsin. And uh, that was a greeting on the phone. So what do you know for sure? And then the person would say, oh, death and taxes. Well, do you know anything good for sure, right? So uh, the focus of this message this morning is, so what do you know for sure? Now, I'm going to make a little quiz. You see that little boy in the sand up there? There's going to be a quiz on that little boy. <clears throat> uh, what do we know for sure about that little boy? Well, um, here is choice A. That little boy looks threatened. He looks fearful. He looks like he's ready to bolt. That's choice A. And then we have choice B. That little boy looks happy. He looks secure. Certainly he looks well-fed. <laughs> and he looks uh, like he's enjoying life. Now, how many would choose A? I see nobody. How many would choose B? All right. How do you know for sure? I mean, how do you know for sure? Perhaps that little boy is just putting on an act. Maybe that little boy is simply saying, hey, look it, I am really ripped, I'm ready to rock, I mean, I'm ready, I'm ready to bolt, I'm filled with fear, but I'm putting on this facade. Aren't we good at it? Aren't you and I good at putting on a veneer? So how do you know for sure? You don't know who that kid is. He may be fooling you. He may be a terrorist for all you know. So how do you know for sure? Well, frankly, you don't, but I do. I know because that's me. My dad took that picture when I was 14 months old on Atwater Beach in Shorewood, Wisconsin. So I know for sure because that's me. And I also know for sure that this little boy did feel secure. He did feel loved. 
you can see that he was well fed. <laughs> Look at those tree trunk arms and legs. Well, that's a kid. You know, that's, mamas are proud of kids like that. And uh, he was a very happy kid. But the reason is that I know him personally because it is me. But the other part I want you to tuck away as an intro to this message is that my father took the picture. And I know my father loves me. And because I knew my father loved me, uh, I felt very secure. That's the whole point of the message coming up here this morning. What can we know for sure? We're going to go in the text this morning right into the scripture. This comes out of 1 John chapter 5. And if you would stand and read this with me, um, and then we're going to make commentary on this. So um, would you read along? It's hard for me to see that. I'm going to come down here a little further and read that. Are you ready? Here it goes. And this is the testimony God has given us. Eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you that you believe in the name of the son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. Have a seat, please. I want to key on a couple of words there. Three in particular, uh, the word no, the word life, and the word son. The word no is uh, more than simply knowing that Abraham Lincoln lived. Now, I know that Graham is an excellent uh, guitarist. I mean, he's a heck of a lot better than that Bieber guy, for sure. Isn't that right? Uh-huh. But we do not, you know, will he make it big or will he not? We don't know for sure. Like I heard about Abraham Lincoln, but I never met him personally. This kind of knowing is quite different. It has its roots in the Old Testament. That word is yada. You've heard, you know, yada, yada, yada. Don't say that because it's a word of intimacy. It's a word of a man knowing a woman. So if you say that, be careful who you say that to. It's very personal. But that's the point of the word no. This isn't a matter of academics. This isn't a matter of you know, knowing a historical fact. This is a matter of knowing intimately. That's the way God wants to be known, intimately. As a husband knows his wife, uh, as uh, we were men for life, uh, I want to know you, says the Lord. That's what he offers you. That's the knowing. The second word I want you to key on is life. The Old Testament uses the term lachaim, to life, shalom. It's the fullness of life. The New Testament word is zoe, it really means full and abundant. The way God created you to be, the life that God intended for you to have, that's life. That's the word he's talking about. And then the word son isn't just uh, an endearing statement of a father and a son. We're talking about God the Father, the creator of all, the one who uh, set it all into space, 
Barashit bara Elohim. It is a, in the beginning God created, that's the Father. That's the Father who existed before the beginning. He created the beginning. He created everything that is, and he extends himself to you, courtesy of the finished work of his Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That's what it means, the Son. Want to get those straight so we can move then into that question. What can we know for sure? Well, let's check out the next slide and see what we might know for sure. Two things from the scripture you just read. Your Father God, the creator of all that is, the one who breathed it all into space, the one that is infinite, greater, and, and uh, the awesome God that we have sung about and praised, loves you. Because he gave you life in his son. Now the scripture repeats that and it says, he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. My question to you uh, is the one that First John poses, the entire scripture poses. Do you have the son? Because if you have the son, you have life. And if you don't, you won't have life. The uh, son offers himself as your Lord, as though he's infinite, he is personal. We understand that it all hinges. There's a book out recently called Love Wins. I, I would qualify it. I would say Love Wins because uh, truth trumps sin. <laughs> this is what the son has done. And so we're going to go into our next picture because it, uh, rather than me trying to explain this theologically, I'm going to explain it with a picture. How do we know for sure? Uh, what is it that we can know for sure? Let me get the next slide up there if we could, Matthew. How? There are two uh, ways to know. And uh, you might have noticed that that cross up there, uh, it's the cross that gently cracks the nut. We can know for sure because of the objective truth of God's Son, might jot that down, and then the subjective truth of God's Spirit. Uh, I look at life, and I, maybe you look at life, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, but we have to ask the question, why is the life that we live a closed system? Like a nut. Are you back there? I'm going to see if some of you people can break this nut with your hand. Are you ready? Here it comes. All right, I can't see where that landed, but here it goes. Come on down. We got them over here. Here comes a whole bunch of nuts over there. It takes a nut to know a nut. Anyway, they're going to work that over for the rest of the sermon, and they're not going to listen to a word I say. This is a visual aid. I hope you follow it. It's not entertainment. I'm attempting to tell you that um, as innovative, as creative, as gifted as man is, whether he believes in God or doesn't believe in God, it's irrelevant. We are still limited to what's a called a closed system. I call it reality. And all we can possibly do now is to rearrange the content of the nut on the inside. But we are not able to break it from the inside out unless you stomp on it, and that's not fair. <laughs> what we're uh, trying to illustrate 
And I want to ask the question, why is it a closed system? The original plan in the Garden of Eden is it wasn't a closed system. It was open to everything and all. Some, uh, as we read the book of Revelation, it says that uh, the gate to the new heavens and the new earth is open. It means that there is no longer the issue of sin. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that everybody gets in. It simply means that there is no more the issue of sin. Well, the hard, crusty shell is sin. If in the Garden of Eden, uh, we didn't have sin. So it was open. You follow this? Now it's closed because of sin. If the biblical Jesus, if the God that we're speaking of, the Son, does not deal with the issue, the game changer sin, then we are still having a problem. We're stuck inside. As we can see, the cross is that which gently cracks the nut from the outside. Otherwise, it doesn't get cracked. And sin controls you. Sin calls the shots. Sin keeps you a prisoner. You're, you're stuck inside here. Oh, I know you're creative. I know you're gifted. I know God's given you all this talent. And often we don't even realize it's a gift from God. We somehow boast that it's me that's doing this. Back to the objective truth of God's Son. The book of 1 John tells us clearly, in the light of, of great crazy teaching, that this son is fully God and he's fully man. We use terms like atonement and incarnation. Don't need to know the words other than God is, this Jesus, this son is fully God, fully man. Why should that matter? Well, it's a, a, an objective truth. And the reason it matters, if you see the cross, before Christ came, love could not intersect with justice. Either you had love or you had justice. I did a sermon for uh, some, some local Supreme Court judges. Uh, one of the men died. It was Steve Sparr's father. That was an interesting sermon to do in light of these Supreme Court judges. So I use this illustration to see if you follow it. They tarred and feathered me afterwards. No, they didn't. <laughs> if you really stop to think about pure love, it's a parallel line to pure justice. A judge certainly cannot love you. He simply meters out a payment for whatever violation you did. That's justice. There is no love in justice, nor is there any justice in love. Do they intersect? Yes, they do at the cross. It's the only place they intersect. Fully God, fully man. Son of God. That's why John uses that term. Jesus is spoken of as both judge and justifier. He's both the one that keeps, the, makes the justice, sets it, meters it out, and then he pays the fine. Take it or leave it. That's what it means God's son. That's objective truth. Now we also have the subjective truth of God's spirit. If you are here this morning and don't know the son, after a while I keep asking that question, God's Holy Spirit's going to work on you. He's going to say in all honesty, do you know the son? That's not me asking the question, it's God's spirit asking the question. 
Do you know the sun? If you do, then God's spirit will affirm that. If you do not, you'll kind of spin your wheels. Um, sometimes people think, well, here I am in church. You know what I mean? I, I must know God because I'm here in church. Uh, I posed that question to a marine flight instructor. He said, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, I said, I used to go to church. I don't do that anymore, though. Oh, he's not, he said, I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about going to church. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Because uh, he said, you know, if you put an orange in a garage, it doesn't make it a car, does it? I mean, does it? <laughs> if you are sitting in the pew of a church, he said, doesn't make you a Christian. Huh. I got a little upset because, you know, I, I'm a graduate of Madison, Wisconsin, and I know everything. <laughs> I was taught by uh, uh, the smartest and the brightest to be a flaming pagan agnostic. So I said, oh, you don't believe in the Bible, do you? He's, uh, I said, it's full of contradictions. He said, could you show me one? I said, well, I haven't read the book. <laughs> and I'm going to read it, though, because they're there. I was told so at my university. Do you follow this? God's Spirit begins to work on us in our hearts, in our subjectivity. And he says, please be honest with me. Do you know the Son or do you not know the Son? Because if you know the Son, you have this life. And if you don't, you don't have this life. How does one come to know the Son? Well, there are some times when people earnestly seek him, says Hebrews. There are others like Saul, who became Paul. He was a religious crazy man, and God knocked him off a horse. There's all kinds of ways uh, how a person comes, but it's God's Holy Spirit that works that in our hearts. If you're ready this morning, if you would like to know the Son, if you would like Christ in your life, if you would like to solidify that, I just did a wedding yesterday, what can we know for sure? Well, you may not even know for sure that your mate will stick with you for the long haul, but you can know as an individual this love that is given to you by the Father and that life is in the Son. That's what you can take away here. You can know that. But then the question is, do you know the Son? I'm going to offer a prayer right now, and if you would like to know him, God's Spirit is saying, invite me in. Let's do that. Lord, we're um, always thinking on the academic, but this is personal. There comes a point in each one of our lives when we have to ask that question, do we know the Son? If your heart is kind of throbbing away, or maybe you're an engineer and you're just saying, eh, don't think I do. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. But would you like to? If you would, God the Father extends his love to you, courtesy of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Would you take that? Would you accept it? Would you say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I, I ask you to come into my life. I'm choosing, because of free will, I'm choosing to have you be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. That's what you offer, forgiveness. And in that forgiveness is the, found the freedom, the liberty, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit that somehow then energizes us to find a brand new life, because that's why we're here. And we want to say thanks for coming into our life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you've done that this morning, let us know. We really want to help you grow. I hope you're beginning to understand that there's really a very few things you can know for sure. But these two things you can know, the objective truth, God's Son. He extends us to you and this objective truth. And it has to do with not only here and now, but all eternity. Some think that eternity is just a really, really, really long time, and then we get a second shot at things. I don't see that biblically. So this is the biggest decision ever. Eternity with God or eternity without him? Well, what are some of the things that derail? Excuse me. What are some of the things that can bump you off the track? And uh, two of them, the scripture, 1 John says false teaching. And uh, if you want to elaborate on that in the book of 1 John, come to our class. Uh, Dave Beatty is teaching a class in here on the Gospel of John. You can't miss on any of the classes that are held this summer. And this is where you begin to find the Word of God filling you, giving you the confidence, giving you a boldness, giving you a security and a stability. And you can have an absolute certainty. If you would like that, that's how you grow. But tragic loss is the other. Often people feel secure in their faith until the bottom falls out. Maybe that's happened to you. I've heard stories recently. Sometimes we think our mate is going to stick with us. They just love us and then suddenly they disappear or they say, I don't love you anymore. Sometimes we think I got a secure job and then you get a pink slip. Uh, Sometimes we find when we least expect it, something comes along to really challenge our certainty. I want you to listen in on a family. This family has many stories. I met them way back when I was at Bear Creek Presbyterian Church. Their names are Justin and uh, Brian Mitchell. But the story uh, has many facets. The one facet we're going to focus in on today is uh, the tragic loss of their son and their brother, Jason. So, let's see how tragedy could possibly just derail you or grow you. I lost my oldest son to heart surgery and he got an infection uh, during surgery. He had open heart surgery to have a valve uh, uh, valve replacement and um, it just happened to be that their negative airflow was uh, not working the day that my son had surgery and he was infected uh, with this fungus through the venting system. I, I remember just being very confident that you know that nothing nothing bad's gonna happen it's it's uh, that everything's gonna work out he's you know they're gonna they're gonna figure out what's wrong he's gonna be healed um, and and just being very confident they would have to do brain surgery uh, because they had a fungus in his brain they would have to redo his heart and um, uh, the two surgeons that were in there said that he'd have total neuropathy all over his body he'd have total pain and so as a family um, we made a decision to basically uh, pull the plug that we 
we're not going to go any farther and that uh, we're going to let him go. And uh, we all went around his bed and that literally was the hardest seconds and minutes of my life to see my son die. It, it was shocking to me. It was, uh, it, it really set me back, I think. Um, uh, it was it was really hard to deal with. I had a lot of questions, a lot of misunderstanding. Um, uh, I remember praying constantly uh, for him to be healed and and for them to figure out what was wrong. Uh, and uh, I had a lot of a lot of uh, grief and, and confusion for for quite a while. You know, sometimes it's really hard to just give it up to him. Just give it up. It's too much of a burden. I have to give it up to you. You, you, it's all up to you how the outcome comes. And um, I have had to do that. And uh, it, it's been extremely hard. And it really tests your faith. Uh, the way that, that God works transcends all understanding. And, and, you know, I may never understand it. Um, mm -hmm. And it may, uh, may not be important that I understand it and that it there may be uh, a reason for it um, that that I just don't know about um, but that uh, God answers prayers but just differently in different situations and for different people. I don't know why all these things happen to us uh, but um, I know God knows and I know that uh, it's totally important for us to keep focused on Him, uh, read the Word, pray, and uh, ask God that uh, He would just uh, be with us on every step of our life. See, what I, what I know for sure is that, uh, that, that God is there for you um, to take, take the, the worst burdens away and to help you through the, the, the hardest times in life. And, and it's, it's such a, a comfort um, and, and a reassuring feeling to know that, that, that He is there for you and to help you with with burdens that there's no way you could personally handle. You are forever so what do you know for sure? Uh, it'll be tested. It'll be tested by false teaching and it'll be tested by tragedy. So God's love trumps false teaching and tragedy. And uh, the question to you then, as well as it is to me, will we let it every moment, every day? The family um, goes way back. The, the Mitchells, when I originally met that family, there's so much facet to the story, but it was back at Bear Creek Presbyterian Church, and Bear Creek was in the middle of a big fight. <laughs> Churches do that, you know. They were fighting. Uh, does God heal or doesn't he? Is God charismatic or is he not? Anyway, in the middle of this fight, uh, it, I'll leave some, a lot of detail out, but um, there was a lot of animosity and anger, tragically. Churches do that, don't they? Have you seen them do that? Oh, anyway, God's trying to say, grow up. In the meantime, I get a call from their grandpa. He says, our little son, Justin, was seven at the time, was kicked in the head by a pony, and we're bringing him in from Strasburg, and uh, would you pray? So we do. And around the, ta uh, the bed, we pray for Justin, who was just seven. Boy is wheeled into surgery. 
dad asked me, could we pray some more? See how God sets things up? And what he was setting up is I said, Brian, do you, have you ever invited Christ into your life? He said, I'm not quite sure. Let's just do that. Let's solidify that. So he did. Because he was ripped. He was broken. He was busted on the inside. And that's when Christ really meets us so often. Anyway, the little boy lived, but he uh, was blind in one eye because a piece of the uh, bone went through his optic nerve. Well, the family's now coming to Bear Creek Presbyterian Church from Strasburg. You know, you think you got a long drive. <laughs> that was like about an hour or so. And they're rejoicing. Our church is fighting. We brought uh, these guys to have the elders lay hands and pray. Now, the elders hate each other, and they hate me. <laughs> but God, uh, we pray. Isn't that hilarious? What happened was the other side of the story that we didn't tell uh, uh, Brian came and said, our, my son went from totally blind in that eye to almost 20-20 vision in one week. Was that the church in its magnificent unity? No. Was that my super-duper prayer power? No. It was the work of God. Sometimes God heals like that, and sometimes he does not. But I hope if you hear this, and I will summarize with this statement, I believe it was uh, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of, of Jim Elliot, the Alka Five, that uh, all gave their lives to reach the Alka Indians. And I believe it was Elizabeth El Elliot that wrote a book called Affliction. And she says that uh, in summary, she says there is really in the museum, she calls it, of heaven, there are two trophies one to the amazing work of God when he actually supernaturally heals and restores. And then the other is to the amazing faith of people that have prayed like crazy and they have not seen that happen, yet they still believe. I believe the Mitchells exemplify both. So, this comes back to you. God's love does trump. You can know that. False teaching and tragedy. But he can trump anything and everything. The process of growth is will you let it? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're again challenged by your personal love. A father that loves us. A God that created it all. That wouldn't even have to necessarily pay any attention to us. You expose yourself, you reveal yourself, you become vulnerable through your son. Fully God, fully man. The place where justice and love meet, the place where, because of sin, we have reason and faith meeting. Prior to the sin, we didn't need reason because we didn't need to know right and wrong. And we didn't need faith because you were right there. So sin explains why we need reason and why we need faith. All makes sense. So um, you have given it to us, your love, in your son. Take it or leave it. We ask that this day we would take it and we would run with it. And as you say, we would test it in the adversity of what we face today. Every one of us has a lineup of uh, things that are absolutely destroying our life, and yet sometimes we rejoice because of the things that you have done. 
In both ways, uh, we ask that we would let you work your marvel in our lives. Thanks for all the folks that have come here this morning. May uh, we find your peace, your strength, your healing, uh, your all in all. And that we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand for the uh, final benediction? I'm going to come right here in the middle because I can see all of you better, and that way you can see each other. And uh, it's kind of fun anyway to do it this way. So um, my favorite is out of Numbers chapter 6. And so I'm asking you to receive God's blessing because he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. <laughs> may the Lord lift up his countenance, his sweet smile upon you, send you in his peace now and forevermore. Thank you very much for coming. Come next week, would you please, and bring a friend. There's a lot of wonderful things happening here. So blessings upon you.